episode 34 of Board Games with Variant Hex is all about coffee shop games. I'm Kelly, and in this episode, myself and Aaron talk about Lotus and Shipwrights of the North Sea, two games that don't take up much space and can be played on a small table. Without further ado, I'll turn it over to Aaron and myself talking about coffee shop games. Now, we're ready to talk about coffee, coffee shop, shop games. games. I didn't know we were going to do it in unison. That's exciting. I thought you were going to pause longer and I was just going to do it on my own. Yeah, 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 yeah. You went into it with gusto. And we think of coffee shop games as ones. It, the box doesn't necessarily have to be small because we're not like walking to a coffee shop. We are driving. And some so, of the games like I have a big old box and you could play them on a, the smallest a, of tables. On a small table. So... It's not always that you can play it on the smallest coffee shop table. Some of them may require a little yeah, more space I mean, than that. But the, the full generally disclaimer speaking, here is the games we talk about, we have played. We have played at a coffee shop. Though one of the coffee shops we go to has ginormous tables. Yeah, there's the one that we go to most often has like a little table for two and then really kind of like a table for three, three to, I mean, five people that really like each other. And then they have two big tables that would seat like eight or more people. Right. Um, and I guess they have a little bit of a bar too. Sometimes that's another kind of scenario that works if it's a long game where two people sitting next to each other yeah, can play a along a long strip at a bar. But by and large, these are games that you can take to a coffee shop. As long as you get a table, you can probably work it out. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about Lotus and Shipwrights. Not of- the Notes. Not the notes and shipwrights of the North Sea, which is it's not a big game necessarily because it's really the first in that North Sea trilogy. And as that trilogy and the West Kingdom one went on, they got decidedly less coffee shop. Like when you get, yeah, into, I don't think, yeah, I mean, the one where you're like riding boats all over the place, I don't think that's really, yeah, explorers you need kind of a lot of space because you don't even know the direction people may go, yeah. you kind of flip over hex tiles and create the board. Uh, Raiders, the board itself is pretty large, so that wouldn't work. But the Shipwright's one of the few games in, in all of Garpil's uh, kind of kingdom line, I don't know what they really call them, that you can't take to a coffee shop. Yeah. Um, and then Lotus is a card game. Yeah, I felt like we played it on the midsize table for three. Mm-hmm. And it got a little crowded, but it wasn't too bad. And the other thing about Lotus, which we'll just dive into that one first... You it's like set to, collecting. Yeah, kind of set collecting, but you're doing that by oh, right. playing these petals out in the center of the table. So there's petals that there's flowers that have uh, three petals up to seven, and so you have a hand of cards, and you're there's you know rules about how many petals you can play out at once, and then when a flower is complete, you evaluate who has played the most cards or additional influence onto that flower and then that's the person that wins the flower so yes it is set collecting but there's a little bit of like area you have, control yeah you have these extra little tokens you can put out that add to your numbers and then you know once it's full whoever has the most takes it, it i will has, say like for coffee shop like you can make it smaller just by stacking the cards up right but that's what i was gonna say very beautiful element that if you stack the cards around in a circle like you can see the flower and then it works there's like little lines that show you for the different numbers of petals where you have to place the cards for it to make a flower. Right. And it's 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 pretty nicely done. Right. It is a very 
a very soothing, and uh, again, with a coffee shop game, it's a beautiful thing to have on the table at a coffee shop. People are definitely walking by like, oh, look at all those pretty flowers on the table. However, if you find yourself with the smallest table and a few too many coffee shop mugs, you could just stack them in a line because we're talking about, you know, each flower is set of three, four, five, six, or seven. There's no functional reason that those need to be in a circle. The information you need is in the top corner. The rest of the card is just picture. It's not like these are cards that have like additional text on them for other actions. It's still a strategic game though, because as you complete, you can kind of, isn't that the one where you can choose to like have these other special kind of like action tokens? Mm -hmm. Because you have to select to get an additional, um, an additional wooden token that helps you do majorities. There's some other, yeah, so how many cards you have in hand is when, another one. When you complete a flower, you can either get points or actions. Yeah. And the actions are like repeatable actions. Like they're just like, oh, you have this action for the rest of the game, but you're giving up points to take those actions. And I think I think in the game, Kelly and I both took all four of the actions. It was our first playthrough. I honestly think playing it again, I would only do it with two. I would only oh, go, really? like, like I would take less of the cool actions and really just focus on collecting points. The first time I played it, I there were some mechanics that didn't kind of make sense to me from having read the rules and then you kind of got to them pretty quickly and and did some nice things strategically. So when we played, you got 52, I got 66 mm-hmm. for an idea of kind of what the scoring range is maybe. This is the first and only time we've played Lotus. Yeah, and there's like a there's a fun drafting mechanic. You're drawing cards, but there's also like public cards that you can take instead. Oh, that's true. There was there is kind of like a deck of public cards and once they're gone, they're gone. There's something about how you put return cards to the bottom of your personal deck. Right. And it could be such that those are actually the cards that were originally in your deck, or they might have come from the community deck. So again, it's kind of the game where if you just set it down in front of two people who don't have any history with board gaming, they'd have a lovely time. They'd play some flowers out. They'd finish their coffees. They'd go home. I think if you put it out for people that are maybe deep into board games, deep into strategy, there is a little bit more going on there. You can be a little more calculating. You can find ways to kind of force people off something and be making these clever moves to keep the upper hand. Still, It's still just cards. So there still is the randomness of cards where you might get a good draw of, you know, draw in your hand yeah there's some i think one of the more power plays in the game if like that i would try to focus on early the flower type that has only three petals if you can get that's basically one card lay you can do the three petals and then basically the the smaller flowers are worth fewer points and those are the times when you probably should be trading them in not for the points but for the action you have maybe two or three turns in a row where you played a three flower and got the actions and i couldn't catch up yeah I wish I had more to say to that particular. But I think point. yeah, I, I think it's a, it, it, in terms of like heaviness. I think it, it approaches mid sizeness, especially it kind of has a thing where it's like I think you're going to do this, and so I'm going to do that, and there's a little like. Well, and I'll say in two player, this isn't a two player only game. Uh, any of these coffee shop games that we choose to discuss do have higher player counts. They aren't two player only games. Right. Any of them. I think for this kind of what you were just saying, like, oh, well, now I understand the higher level strategy. It's definitely true for me that I don't often like to play light games with you because you'll kind of crack the code with them in a way where you will find this most efficient path to play the game. And because it's a lighter game in the first place, and that's, I'm not saying it wasn't meant for that kind of scrutiny necessarily, but it does take a little bit of the casual joy out of it. I'm very so, good at tic-tac-toe. Sure. 
Um, so I don't know if when we come back to, if we come back to Lotus again, and I think we will, how that may change. Like when you understand that extra strategy, it might get like pretty tense as we're playing. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree. And I think a lot of times I do kind of get to that simplicity first, but you, I think you got to it. You got to it right quick in this game. Yeah. And I, it, I can't say that that was like high minded strategy. Exactly. Uh, but I think that I did have small flowers that I completed and that was kind of the right momentum at the right time. Right. There's a little bit, you know, because you can't you can't completely cut people off of things because they have their own deck yeah. of cards. And, you know, as I've played with you, because you have that mindset, I've had to sort of adopt that mindset because while I'm not competitive, I also don't want to play a game, play games, and just get routinely beaten. Like, I, I, I'm, I don't need to win, but that doesn't mean that I am always want to lose. Right. So I think that I have kind of become a little more cunning in that way uh, with, with some of these games. And with the lighter games, maybe I am now getting there, uh, at least on average, as fast as you are. But I think I kind of drop off and you take it to the next level. Yeah. Like, I'm always always going to play three at the top. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Lotus. Mm -hmm. I Now, we got that game for $5 because it was a used demo copy from our game store. I haven't been going to the game store as much because I'm trying to play through all these games this year. Trying to keep the collection at a manageable number. All the Kickstarters just keep coming in. Yeah, a lot of the things that were back ordered have been coming in, like a bunch of them coming together as batches, which is a, a little overwhelming, but it was predictable. So the last time I went to the game store, they had like clearance games up in the front, and I'm like, just gonna just gonna focus on these. I'm not gonna go any deeper in here. And got some got some fun and interesting games. But I say all that to say. Do you like it? Would you have bought it yourself? Would you recommend it? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I think it's a it's, okay. a, it's a fun, like, I like those lightweight strategy games that, that I can yeah. break. And this isn't, I think I like this one more than the lightweight strategy that is strictly two-player, like Hanami Koji, where- Oh, no, I don't not, think it's better than Hanami Koji. No, I didn't, I wasn't going to say that it was, but I think that I like something like this better because it's still not as- directly confrontational so to speak yeah so and I, and I think it'd be interesting to play with higher player counts and i also think it's yeah. a game that you could very easily bring your non-gaming friends to yeah because there wasn't there wasn't like any rules overhead and it's pretty clear when you have the flower like i think seeing the pieces of the game you understand basically what's happening yeah, like you see it says fun. three you see the little arrow on there like you're kind of like well i the guess actions, i'm making flower like having like extra actions that you can take might be a little confusing but Right. Yeah. But I think there's something to that where the pieces kind of inherently show you what to do. I would not say the same is true for shipwrights. I don't no. think that you can just open that one and be like, oh, I know exactly what's going on here. There's not a lot necessarily in the box, though. And that's why we're saying that it is still good for a coffee shop. You have a player board, but it's it's pretty small. It's like maybe three by five. Yeah, just, you know. We played this on the big table, but it fits on the small one. It fits on the small one because you have your little player board. Um, you only ever have four cards that kind of can slot underneath that. Mm -hmm. You can have a couple cards off to the uh, to one side, and then you can only ever have two boats. And that's it. All your other components, your other uh, resources go on that card. And you're drafting cards in this game 
And so aside from that, you just have kind of the deck of cards, even for, you know, it comes in kind of a regular size box, but this is actually a little airy, a little roomy in there. So in shipwrights, you're predictably building a ship. You do this using certain artisans, certain resources, and as you, you can build more than one ship. Um, I think it's... You should build the, more than one ship. When yes. the fourth ship gets built, that's what triggers the game in. Yes. Anyone builds a fourth ship. Yeah. Not the fourth ship in the game. The fourth ship in right. one shipyard. And those ships, they might, they, uh, they don't all, but many of them give you some sort of bonus or modification to maybe your uh, limit of workers you can have, the amount of gold you produce, so on. At the top of your player board is a gold track. It only goes up to 12. It can never go past that. I think you start the game with maybe five. Every round, you draft cards. Aaron would draw three cards. He'd look at those. He'd take one. I'd pick between the two that were left, take one, yeah, and the other one just gets discarded. And that that keeps going for if you have higher player count. So if you had a higher player count, it's just one more than the number of people playing. And the whoever goes first in two players alternates. I think that was kind of lacking two player. In some way, it doesn't really matter. But if you play with four people, sometimes you would get to see more cards at once. And there were definitely times where, because we're just playing with two people, we're only seeing three cards in a hand at any given time, if not less, you just don't necessarily have a lot to pick from ever. So you feel like there's more dead turns. It probably washes out the same over a game. I think that was a little lacking in excitement in two player. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's there's like five card types. So there's like, and maybe there's four types of cards because I can't think of there. There's of like these, there's additional people like, I think the queen is one. And yeah. those kind of people that will just give you like a random bonus. There's a beggar, yeah. things like that. People that'll give you a random bonus. It's kind of like, Usually yeah. pretty immediate. Oh yeah, like an action. There's like the action. people that build the ships and they have red backs. The artisans. Red backgrounds on their cards. There's the ships themselves, the different boats, and there are buildings as well. Yeah. So you can usually pay a fair amount uh, and build these buildings that give you a points. You know, what What are we doing here? Of course, well, I think we're collecting points. You need like a balance of those cards to play the game successfully. And I think in our game, both Kelly and I at different points in the game got stalled because we we're yeah. just waiting for artisans and no artisans came up for a little while. And right. they're not, they're not called, one of them is an artisan. They're one of them is an artisan. Name. I think they're just craftspeople. Craftspeople or whatever. And yeah, so I think that was kind of difficult. I ended up getting a little bit of a synergy in an engine and I thought during part of the game that I was going to win and win by a lot. And then I ran into a brick wall. Oh. So I, I basically got two of the buildings that let me score. And then I basically got stuck with no artisans for like four or five rounds. Not I keep calling them artisans. With no craft people for like four or five rounds. Oh. And, and couldn't beat it. And then you built, like you beat me to a boat. Like I think you took one of the, the people I needed from me using one of the powers and mm -hmm. beat me to a boat. And then you you were kind of coming off a stall and then you built that boat and then kind of didn't look back and beat me to the fourth boat. But it was, okay. I think it was a well-contested game. I thought I was going to win for a large part of it, and then you came back and, and, and got the victory. Again, usually don't have as strategic of thoughts, and especially in a drafting game like that, you just kind of you just get what you get. So out of three or two cards, you're just sort of trying to piece together something like a strategy because you do have to have specific people to build the boats, you have to, you could wait until you had the people already to build a boat. You could, but if you do that, then you have to wait on the boat. Either way, you're going to have yeah. to either wait on the people or wait on the boat. And whatever you decide is best is uh, up to you. 
you also need to get different resources. So there's sheep, there's wood, and there's stone. And then you usually need a number, I believe you also need a number of workers. And the workers are a separate little um, like meeple, wooden meeple that's in with the other resources. You have limits on the number of total workers you can have. And those do, you don't, you do have like income of workers at the end of every round. Mm -hmm. And you have like, you could have an income of gold as well at the end of every round, but you never have an income of the resources themselves. When you want to get resources, the way that it's determined is the back of all of the cards has three banners on it, one for each of the resources. And it will show you how many of that resource is kind of like a currently available for sale. Does it ever go up to four? Is it only three? I don't know. It's one, two, or three. It'll show you how much of that is for sale. So perhaps you are wanting to get sheep and you need two sheep and there's two sheep on the back of the card. But someone before you may have some kind of action where they draw or something like that. Which means they could draw a card and now there's only one sheep on there and now you don't have the sheep to yeah, do your I think thing and you have to kind of wait a whole other turn. That's one of my favorite mechanics mm. across a lot of games where like you didn't have to make card drawing affect the game in a way that like, because I mean, it's just, it's a cool way to use the back of a card. Yeah, which otherwise would just be exactly the, the same thing yeah. all the time. Yeah, that is true. It's very, it's interesting to... For a game with a small footprint as well, mm. to make total use of the things you yeah. have. So yeah, it's. I think it's unlikely that strategically you can ever like. I don't think it's too likely that you're gonna. Oh, count and know what's more likely to come up. No, and they I don't. count knows what's more likely to come up, or even be in the position where you can keep someone from getting something because you know they need to. Buy you know what that they need. Oh, I think that up. actually comes up, and then also like. But what's yeah? I I think there were a couple times in the game where I needed the card to change, and so I took a card that was less optimal, except for that it let me draw. Almost like I, I felt this is oh. probably just a false memory or not really good math, but I felt like if, for example, I needed two stone and there was one stone up there, okay. you just have a really good chance of any card draw improving your scenario. Like very rarely, I don't, you know, and I, have, like, I have no idea what who the knows what the math is. is but the deck is a good size, and yet even in just two player, I I don't remember if we, I think we made it through the deck. We made it through, but a part of it is because it. it comes in waves and then there's cards yeah. like we've there's just there's, about how the shuffle I, I think two players it's just not as good there's too many dead turns yeah. in a two-player game i think there could be some other and i don't believe i saw anything in the rule book for any other kind of amendment or variant for two players but i do think something else could kind of be thrown in there for two players to mitigate that and i think also there's not necessarily anything wrong with dead turns when it happens to both of you but i think the pacing of the game is just going to be far different when you play with more people. Yeah, I think it it does seem to happen later. Like like we both had dead zones in the game, and I think yeah. it's not a fairness issue; it's just a funness issue. Like to yeah. have that many dead right. turns, right? Yeah. And we ended this game. You had fourteen. I had nineteen. Yeah. And I think you don't necessarily. I'm trying to think. Could you score really big in this game? I don't know that it overall is really like a big score. Yeah. Some game. of the ships are worth six, but then they're hard to get. So. But I think it is that thing where um, maybe twenty four. Fourteen yeah. to nineteen. A couple more turns or something like like it could oh, really the, shift. The thing that I the thing I got was if I had twelve gold at the end of the game, I was going to get a whole bunch of victory points. But then it put me in a spot where at the end of the game I couldn't spend my gold to catch up with you because if I spend my gold, I lose victory points. So like you got oh. to nineteen, and on my final turn, I could only improve by one point, even though I had a ton of resources. Because if I spent my gold, I lost my victory points for the cards for that give me the, gold right. at the end of the game. So. Right. Um, yeah, I think if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, like if I could have kept my gold 
points and you spent my gold, I think I would have gotten to like 18. But okay, but I couldn't because then my gold points went away. Yeah, the this is, I'm guessing, the lowest ranked of the of the sagas. This is 6.4 on BGG. It's about 3,000 overall, and it does say that it does say that best three to four. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And honestly, it's still fun to player. Yeah, it's not um, bad, but it's it's not great. Yeah, there's some take yeah. that in it. Uh, Kelly and oh, I for sure. Usually don't play take that too hardcore, but right. there's definitely if you want some take well, that in a two player game, there's plenty. And I'll say about that though, for take that in a two player game, and for already having dead turns, like you do feel like maybe you're just delaying the inevitable or just prolonging the game without like actually a huge effect. Well, because but there's also of like that. You can because there's take that, and because there's like natural dead turns, like you, you, it can be swingy. Like you can make a comeback. Yeah. By like thwarting someone true. who's already kind of kind of kind of ahead. Right. I guess that's true. So between shipwrights and lotus. Oh, if you said Aaron, we're gonna play a game right now. I would, I would say let's play Lotus. But if you said, Aaron, but I mean, like you we know, have taking... to sell one of these games. I would say we'll sell Lotus. Uh, I don't. I, I would sell either one. Like if we were playing. Yeah, I see what you mean, though. Yeah. I see what you mean. Like, yeah, you'd both pick up and play that one maybe a little more often. But in the grand scheme of it, maybe you would keep shipwrights yeah. just because there's probably a little more to be had there. Yeah, I get that. I think that's fair. I think I don't mind shipwrights. I'd probably. I'd probably pick shipwrights over lotus not that lotus is bad but i think it doesn't for me it doesn't necessarily elevate itself over something else similar right so for the same reason that you'd say you would probably get rid of it i think that's kind of like i'd certainly play it again and i'm even more happy that i got it used copy it had you know perfectly fine yeah. had all the pieces in it um i think especially getting it used it was a really good used pickup I'm not sure that for all the other games we have that I would have added it to the collection at full price. I think the I think getting a discount on that was helpful. Five dollars is the right price for a lot of things. But I bet that if you look it up, yeah, five dollars is the right price. I bet if you look it up, it's probably not too much. If it's still in print, it's probably not too much. And even like if it were fifteen or twenty, like it has a good production. It has a good yeah. enough production quality. It's not unreasonable. Yeah. I like them both. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening to episode 34. Be sure to subscribe to know when new episodes drop. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Variant Hex. We have a website and a blog at VariantHex.com, and you can email us at podcast at VariantHex.com. Lotus, at the time of this recording, does not look to be in print for the U.S., but you can get the Lotus app for a mere $5. Shipwrights does not have an app, but the physical copy is available all over the place, including from the publisher themselves. The next episode will be me and Adam talking about card drafting as a board game mechanism, unless you're listening to these in reverse, in which case you'll hear me, Adam, and Aaron talking about our Game of the Month picks for February 2021. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for spending your time with us today.